Hello. Hello. Welcome. I'm Heather. And I'm Laura. We're sweet, sweet death. We're we're back. We're back again. It's <laughs> after the holidays. <laughs> I just had my holiday Christmas party with my group last night. Oh. Yep. Wow. <laughs> it was terrible. Like your coworkers? Or? Yes. Like wow. the, like the the owners and everything were like, okay, January twenty first, bring a present for gift exchange at Jose Muldoon's. We were like, okay. So random. <laughs> so fucking random. This is probably I was thinking like I think this is only the second place I've ever had where they had a holiday party. Okay. Otherwise, mostly it's just like Merry Christmas. What, yeah. what What else do you want from us now? My holiday party was horrible. Did I tell you about that too? No. It's so awkward. I had to host it at my house. But... What? Why? Um, because well, last year I hosted it, mm-hmm. and you know whatever she's yeah. gone now. So can I? Was it horrible then when she did it? No, I mean was it wasn't like horrible, pretty... but it was like I think everyone hated each other less. Oh. So. <laughs> Yeah, so by now it's like, you know, Bob and his wife, or, uh, sorry, I'm saying I'll names, be, but, okay. okay. I'll, I'll cut them out. It was like all my coworkers, and then, like, some of us like each other, some of us don't. The owners, like, I think hate each other right now, oh. and they were there, and then one of the owners left, like, immediately, like, right as gifts came out, he's like, okay, bye, because he didn't have, like, you know, a oh. gift for anyone, because we did Secret Santa, and, yeah. yeah, I just was having anxiety afterward, like, oh my gosh, that was just... So awkward. But I made a cute little hot cocoa bar, so. Yeah. That's nice. With alcohol, yeah. And like Fuck yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like, we're going to make this kind of worth it. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> did everyone fit in your house okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I don't I don't think I've been to your Yeah, we did place. it at my house because it's, like, huge. Like, the whole, like, kitchen area and living room and stuff. But I almost felt like it was, like, too much area. Because oh. Juliana's house was, like, you know, the size of this room, like her yeah. living room. So everyone's like packed and I feel like it's more homey mm-hmm. compared to mine where I felt like it was very like. You're like screaming across. <laughs> yeah, <them>. literally. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Shit. But whatever. Well, it's okay. We were supposed to do like bring a plus one and I, I didn't. Yeah. But you know what everybody else did? I was going to be like, no one else did. No, I'm the only one. No, everyone <laughs> else had loved ones. <laughs> People they cared about. They came with them. Uh, John had his nerd call because he does like this language thing with people and then um. Yeah, and then the one girl that I was going to bring, she, like, used to work there, and she had to bail on me. Oh. And I also just kept forgetting to text her, so I was like, I guess I'm just going alone. Yeah. It was fine. Um, but, yeah, so, anyway, I feel like, no, we were talking about, before we started recording, oh, yeah. the movie Moonlight. You yeah. said you saw it, you really liked it. Yeah, I liked it. It was, like, because it had one, I kept seeing things where it was, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know the difference between, like, Academy and Grammy or whatever <laughs> Grammy the fuck. is music. Oh, okay. Grammy is television. Oscar is movies. Okay. I f- yeah. Okay, Golden so maybe Globes is I don't really fucking know. Maybe it was the Oscars or something okay. cuz I know it was like Oh, s- are you talking about I was going to bring that up. Are you talking about the mishap, the fuck up where they where got it's the like, wrong La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Moonlight was the one that actually won. Yeah. And so then I was like, what is this movie? I've never heard of it cuz I saw La La Land. Yeah. So then I watched it last night just cuz I keep saying, "Oh, I want to watch it. I want to watch it." My friend Michelle was like, "I'll watch it with you." Yeah. But then it's been like two weeks and i'm like okay i'm just watching it by myself because i don't want to wait any longer but yeah it was actually like really good like sad just it's kind of like interesting the way they tell the story i don't really know i don't want to like ruin it if you ever watch it Mm -hmm. but yeah it's very i do really want to watch it actually i just i have take forever with movies and tv and yeah me too yeah well i meant to watch the last of us yeah i did not everyone has been talking about it i really want to see it yeah because i you know me i played the game yeah for 
maybe a week and yeah. i was like i'm too scared so i stopped um i know exactly where i stopped too yeah. where i was like nope i'm fucking done. yeah i couldn't get past this clicker and i was like this is as far as my journey goes <laughs> so i stopped playing it so i know up until like a certain amount yeah. so i know like you know the okay spoiler alert like yeah. the little girl dies in the beginning and everything yeah and yeah so yeah and it was good too because that first episode they have it and it's like so emotional and oh, stuff it's so funny because we're all watching it and like i'm crying i had michelle <laughs> oh, no. come over she's crying rachel's crying and then dom's sitting there and he's like so who's crying or something oh my like god that. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking dick. i know but yeah it was good um I know they're changing some things, which kind of annoys me because, you know, in the game they have, like, the spores. I don't yeah. know if you remember, yeah. remember that. Yeah. So I guess um, whoever filmed or whatever, they just didn't think, like, wearing masks and stuff oh. would be good for filming. So they're changing. That seems like yeah. a, I'm almost disappointed now. Me like, too. I want to see them in their masks, like, to show how hard it is to yeah. just live. Yeah, and I felt like it's also one of those things where it's, like different than like normal zombies where it's like oh you have to be bitten to get infected where it's like okay if you're breathing in these like mm -hmm. fungal spores then like you're fucked kind of a thing yeah so yeah they're replacing it with tendrils uh-huh whatever that means i don't so, know what's a tendril is that like a like, like a, <laughs> a tentacle i don't fucking know almost like the little things like on like i think like it reminds not, me of Resident Evil, or what is it called uh, sea enemies or like yeah it's like sticky well, things that I don't know. Yeah, if you watch Fuck. the first episode, there's a phone. part where the zombie sits up, and I thought she had hair in her mouth. Ew. But it was actually, like, these tiny, very, like, weird little things moving in her mouth. Huh. And my sister and I were both like... What? So I don't know how they're going to do it, but I felt kind of annoyed about that, just because I feel like it's a really big change. But I'm, And I feel like they don't really have to film that much with I, gas masks. No, I feel like most of what I played, granted that was, like, a few hours yeah. of my life... It was a very short, we're in a contained, like, enclosed yeah. area, we need to make sure that we're not And they weren't even the whole time. It was more like, oh, I see that there's spores yeah. over there. Now we should put our mask on. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. They're saying, oh, I'm people... already annoyed, yeah, Laura, also. Yeah, I know. So, I just felt like it was a big thing and, like, really unique to the game. So, <sighs> but everything else was fine. Bella Ramsey, I don't know. Maybe no. she'll grow on me, but. Yeah. I did love her. Really? As little lady Mormon, did you not like her? I didn't ever watch Game of Thrones. Oh so fuck! Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe like, that's why because yeah. everyone loves her because her role is like iconic. Man, she oh, okay. had such a short little part. Yeah, but she like was such a great presence on really? film, and everybody like it was hard not to love that character. Yeah. I am sad to know that she's not quite clicking with you. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, it was the first episode, you know. So yeah, give her time to we'll grow. Get, yeah, but um. Yeah, I feel like it's just so hard because Ellie's, you know, she's just, like, so, like, oh, fuck you, like, you know, Does whatever. she not have like, that fire, you think? She did, but it felt like she hasn't played the games, and so oh, I feel like she doesn't well, really, I know. Maybe she's, like, you can jump on YouTube. Maybe she's watching yeah, somebody play I don't the know. game. Because I'm, just like, how do you, fun. yeah, I don't know, but I feel like she's trying, it's almost like she's, like, being Ellie too much, like, yeah. trying too hard to oh. be, like, that where it's not like just, she like, didn't natural. just kind of make it her her own a little, a yeah, little bit yeah so hmm. that's all i felt but i mean we just get we'll yeah, see how it goes we'll see, man we'll i love pedro pascal so much too. too like oh he's actually doing really good at joel even there was like some parts where he sounded like just like him it was freaking me out really so yeah i was like whoa um also because like people were like oh like the character doesn't need to look just like them to be like this and that and i was like i don't even feel like it's that you know because the girl they had as sarah the mm -hmm. little girl who dies in the beginning Sarah's like a little white girl 
and the girl they had playing her was like a little black girl with like curly hair mm-hmm. like half black or whatever so like totally two different things like yeah. two different kind like of people you just gotta so. capture that spirit yeah but she really had it like yeah it's like oh yeah they did really well too so but yeah i'm excited i'm so excited for tonight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too i think well because my family keeps like putting it off so i was like i think i'm just gonna watch this damn thing on, yeah. on my own because i'm tired of waiting yeah. tired of them not watching it with me <laughs> so okay nice did you have any crazy stories or anything? I fucking wish. No. Well, I don't know. We like we went to we went to LA. We drove. Mm-hmm. Um, and by LA, I mean Chino Hills. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we we went there, visited my parents. Nothing too exciting. We had to bring a little dishwasher home, so the drive was a little fucked. Uh, <laughs> just very packed. Well, because last year they accidentally bought us gifts that were like too big, and we used to have a Highlander, but that thing died years ago. It got totaled in an accident. Um, and uh, so we have a little Yaris, which we learned the hard way is actually a Mazda anyway. <laughs> so uh, we have to pack this tiny little Yaris, and they, they got us really huge gifts last year. My mom was, like, adamant, like, no, you can fit it all in your car because we were like, can we just pack some of this and ship it? Yeah. She's like, no, we can do it. And, like, she got really into it. We felt like we couldn't just ship the presents home yeah. or some of them just to make it, like, manageable where we can yeah. have a little bit of comfort the car's already so tiny like we're all big people yeah. you know in this little tiny car and pack it full of shit and it's just a lot so this year was not as bad but we had that dishwasher that kind of had to ride next to uh robbie in the seat yeah so <laughs> we, it was all strapped in and everything so, and yeah, yeah there nice. was actually a slight fight over the dishwasher between john and i but oh he's used it now and mm, he's enjoying it a little bit more than oh, he thought okay. he would so yeah. yeah, suck a dick. I feel like that's how Garrett was, too. He's like, it's so fucking big and this and that yeah. when I, like, got it. But I was like, it's so nice, though. Yeah, because like, you can't just walk away from, yeah. like, a bunch of dishes. And it is a small, like, little apartment-sized dishwasher. Yeah. Because we have a tiny 60s house where there's no outlets and everything was planned very poorly, yeah. slapping these houses together. So it just takes up like what little counter space we have and it is it seems bulky but it's still pretty small it's yeah. definitely not a full dishwasher yeah. and we even tried to put some like just normal size plates it was like oh nope those are too really? big yeah. so we got to do like little plates cups silverware yeah. stuff like that so i feel like it's so helpful though because that's Absolutely. how mine was too i could probably fit one big plate in there but if it was like <laughs> like laying you know so yeah because we put like th- john accidentally annihilated this baking dish with like he baked a uh sirloin or no not a sirloin a london broil and he put like soy sauce and stuff in it but then it just like incinerated it was like stuck on there it was like molten onto this plexiglass casserole oh my gosh. dish but then we put it in that and i dude i'm not joking when i say i tried to i would like pour boiling water in it we used baking soda i used salt as like an abrasive to help work it out i put it in the oven for like an hour at like 400 just and with like steaming it in hopes that it would like break it down it did not but we put it up in that little dishwasher and i tell you what it got about 95 percent of the shell so amazing (laughs) oh my god commercial kind of dude like or an infomercial like yeah did your husband fuck up your dishes again (laughs) i had um that's my weird little story I wanted to tell you. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not that weird, but okay. I was laying in bed at like, I think it was, when was it? Oh, it was actually a week ago. Exactly. It was last Sunday. So I think it was like Saturday night. I went to bed. I fell asleep at like, I don't know, 11 or 12 or something like that. 
And at like 1.30 in the morning or something, I heard like on my, oh my window, God. like someone knocked and I literally just like shot right out of bed, you know, because it like terrified me because yeah. I had just fallen asleep. So I was still kind of like, you know, in between. Did I hear that? Or yeah. Or did it? Was it my dream? Yeah. And so then I was like, and I was like so afraid because my window was like barely cracked, you know, with like my blinds where you can see like that one little part and my like uh-huh. curtain was like pushed open. And I was like, I'm not even going to look like, you know, I just yeah. like grabbed my cell phone. I like ran out of my bedroom <laughs> and then I was calling my sister and she wasn't answering. And then it's like when I come out of my room, like, let's say it's like the sliding glass door, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like afraid to look at it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But I ran over and I like flipped the light switch on in the mm-hmm. back. And I was just like standing there. I was like, oh, my gosh, what if someone's back there. But I was like afraid to look. And so then I went and sat like in the staircase, like down to the basement. Mm-hmm. And I was just like sitting there because there's like, you know, no one can see me in there. Yeah. And I was like, what if someone's outside? I was like freaking yeah. out. My sister's like not answering. I like call my brother-in-law he's not answering in your brain like, you're like everybody's dead yeah he's i was like oh everyone. my gosh yeah i was like freaking out i was like texting my mom I was like what should i do to ducks like they had the basement door closed and elio's asleep i was like worried to wake everyone up i was like uh like okay i'll just go down there so then i opened the door but then they're like asleep in their room and i was afraid to wake them up for like nothing like if i just like imagined it but then also i was like really terrified you know i was like oh my gosh i'm so scared so then i just sat down there for like an hour and Anakin kept going, like, arr, arr, arr. he was, like, crying, Aww. but he was refusing to come down the stairs, which yeah. is so weird, because he comes down them all the time. Oh, shit. When I go down there with my sister, but he, like, would not come downstairs, and he was just, like, and he was, like, wanting to go outside, and I was, like, nope. no, we're not opening the door, like, and so he's freaking out, and then he's being so loud, I was, like, okay, fuck, I have to go back upstairs. So then I went back upstairs, and then I, like, pinned my fucking curtains shut. I, like, finally yes. looked outside, you know, like, I didn't yeah. see anything. I just, like, sat in my bedroom, but I was, like, so terrified I could not sleep. And then I was up until, like, I don't know, four or five. And I had texted Dom. Yeah. I had texted Dom, too, because he lives, like, you know, five minutes from us where he could have just, like, drove to the house or something. Like, someone be with me. Mm -hmm. But no one is fucking answering me. No one cared if I was fucking dead. And so he texts me at, like, four in the morning. He's like, hey, sorry. I didn't text back because it was so late. I was like, oh, it's fine. I just thought someone was here to, like, murder me or whatever. He's yeah. like, oh, what? Really? He's like, I've been up since one thirty-two or something like that. You I was like, fuck my- you. But, yeah, it was so funny. And then I made the mistake of, like, I thought – because I got logged out of the Ring app. So I thought if I typed in, like, knock on window or something like that, maybe, like, mm-hmm. I would see something in the neighborhood or, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. And immediately – and, like, I think if I searched on my phone right now and showed you – if you type in, like, three knocks on window or something like that, it'll show in big black letters, omen of death. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my gosh. So then I ended up going down an even bigger hole. Oh. With like, things like old wives' tales. If you hear three knocks on your window in the night, someone will die in three days, three weeks, or three months. And then, like... Wait, how all long these ago was this? Was this three days ago the last? It was a week ago oh, now. But I know, I keep worrying. Like, on the third day, I was like, what if something happens? <laughs> like, I felt like I was in the ring or something, you know, where it's like seven days. Yeah. But yeah. And then um, it was like all these weird videos of like Native people talking about like, oh, when your mom told you as a kid not to look outside if someone knocks on your window or if you hear knocks on your window and like all these weird stories about like skinwalkers and shapeshifters. So yeah, then I really couldn't sleep. I was like so jumpy. Like I, my fucking hair dryer fell off my sink and I was like, (laughs) you know, I was like so scared for like two days after that where I was like terrified as fuck and like just like, oh my gosh. So I don't know. It was just a little knock at your window, I know. It fucked me up. But (laughs) yeah.
I don't even know what it was. It could have been like nothing, you know? I don't even know. I promise you there's no omens of death yeah. coming for you. <laughs> I mean, someday we'll, you yeah. know, as we all die. But, uh, yeah, no no omens of death, yeah. I think. No, I know. No skinwalker's going to get you, man. Yeah. I, t- I was, like, talking to my therapist. <laughs> Were you really? I told her that or whatever. She's like, I mean, it could have just been a fluke. Yeah. Like, yeah. Could have been a branch or Seems, a bird. Yeah. Or, like, or maybe nothing. just a weird kid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that was it. Like a freaking crackhead or something walked by. Or you were dreaming and just. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, maybe I just like dreamt it since I was yeah. like in that in between. So. You have like the little safety lock things on your window um, where you can put it up a crack, but it. So, no, that was like the problem with my window is my window doesn't lock. So, oh, it, like, shit. the lock was like broken. So then I was freaking out even well, more. Well, do you have like the, a wedge? I, at least? um, we went and bought one because oh, I had. Yeah, I had had like a little ghetto bar in there, but then my brother-in-law, after all that, yeah. he's went and bought like huge like dowels and shit for all the windows and got cool. like a floodlight and shit. So I'm really oh, happy. Yeah. Yes, I think everyone needs yeah. to be more conscious of locking their doors yeah. and, and maybe that's their windows. All it was, if anything, like just to make sure we're yeah now secure in the house. Because exactly. I'm texting my sister that too, and I'm like, oh, my fucking bedroom window doesn't lock, and I'm like in my bedroom. She's like, the office one doesn't lock either. Which is like, great. here's my bedroom, yeah. there's the office. I'm like, oh, great. I'm on like, like the direct path for a <laughs> <yeah>. murderer. <laughs> so, yeah. That was my weird little... Right on, man. Window knocking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're not dead. Me no too. omen of death. Yeah. I'm happy you weren't liquefied or something <laughs> yeah. on the third day. You're still here. Yes. So. But speaking of death, we should probably... Get, get going yeah, i have a long fucking story right. today yeah. so did you want to do i just feel like do you want to go you? first okay or do you want to do just me that's what i was wondering like, like since you're maybe so i long? go first and then we just see if we're at six hours and then maybe <laughs> yeah. we need to stop yeah okay. okay yeah man we can do mine first okay. and we'll just see okay everybody hold on to your ass it's All gonna right. be a long one <laughs> so we maybe possibly just me are covering kentucky um, I gotta be honest, Kentucky is boring. Maybe not boring, but no interesting <laughs> stories yeah. popped up in the first, like, three pages of Google, yeah. which means you're boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right, so Kentucky, I am covering uh, a person, again, I knew nothing about. I just knew he was kind of interesting. Um, he is, he died many years ago, and I'm not gonna cover the whole story. It is a two-parter. His life was too crazy. Uh, to cover in one session. So I'm going to be covering Muhammad Ali, who was born in Louisville, Kentucky. All right. Good old Kentucky. Good old <laughs> Kentucky, as it's known. Uh, I typed out about a quarter of this. I think I've spent about 15 hours on it so far. Oh I could only type out some. I'm going to try to read. I mean, I wrote pretty clearly, but yeah. a lot of times my notes get a little jumbled. Jumbled. So we'll see right. how this goes. I'm very sorry. I'm excited to hear. Dude, this guy, honestly, if you have Amazon Prime, I know it costs money. I, I subscribe to PBS, so I've got that, like, all the Ken Burns documentaries, which are amazing. But the Ken Burns documentary on Muhammad Ali, um, extra super duper amazing. I mean, that guy was a freaking powerhouse. I can't even explain, like, how amazing this dude was. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 
All right. I just loved his little beat in the very beginning, so I'm going to read it out. Okay. He says, I've wrestled with alligators. I've tussled with a whale. I've done handcuff lightning and put thunder in jail. Well, you know I'm bad. I can drown a drink of water and kill a dead tree. Just wait till you see Muhammad Ali. Oh. He did this thing where he he did this all the time. He would just bust out these, like, <laughs> really? rhymes. It was so cool. Anyway, okay. That's funny. So, when thinking about famous boxer and controversial figure Muhammad Ali, you might be like me and not know much about the man. Growing up, Muhammad Ali was just Muhammad Ali, famous boxer that was really good at his job a long time ago, and I was so wrong. Uh, in the 1960s, he was on the lips of every man, woman, and child all around the globe. He was inspirational, uplifting, controversial, outspoken, proud, thoughtful, and devising. Um, he was a social activist, poet, boxer that successfully defended his title 19 times, had 52 wins in his 21-year professional career, and he was an Olympic champion. Just hold on to your hats for <laughs> Muhammad Ali. On January 17, 1942, in Louisville, Kentucky, Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr. was born to Cassius Clay Sr. and Odessa Clay in the segregated South. Um, his father was a deeply religious man and artist, which was his profession. Um, he, like so many others, felt like his career was being held back because of the color of his skin. Cassius Sr. was known for being a big personality with a bright and cheery demeanor when around other people, but he was also known for his drinking. There were many instances of domestic abuse in the house in which police would have to be called to the family's home. On one occasion, while trying to protect his mother from his father, Cassius Jr. was cut with a knife. He had a big gash on his leg um, when he was trying to attack his mother. And when police arrived, they did not arrest his father and just kind of went about their merry way. So I guess that was just kind of normal that if there was a domestic abuse um, call, they would just come, check on things, and then leave, you know. I think that was just the time, yeah. though. Cassius Clay, uh, the junior, grew up like I said, in the very segregated South. In 1955, he learned and heard of the news of Emmett Till, the 14-year-old that was brutally tortured and murdered for allegedly whistling at a white woman. Uh, the photos of the maimed Emmett Till were published in Jet Magazine to show how horrific racial violence was. Uh, Cassius Clay was only a few months apart in age from Till, making that reality of racism that much more horrible. Uh, some said that there was a sudden burst of rage and vulnerability that ignited inside of every young black person in America, especially young black men. Uh, young Cassius Clay was not the greatest student and definitely struggled with his grades. It didn't help that he was di uh, dyslexic. It made it almost sound like they didn't know officially if he was dyslexic. So like, but that also wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Just kind of overlooking like, yeah. oh, he just doesn't get it. Um, so he compensated his poor grades by being the class clown. Even as a young man, he had charisma that could really just entangle anyone. Um, on one fateful day in 1954, Cassius and his brother Rudy were out riding their bike. Uh, they had to share one. Uh, it was a new red Schwinn. They were riding through downtown Louisville when it began to rain, and the boys took cover in a nearby store. When they emerged, the bike was gone, and a very teary-eyed Cassius Clay asked for help from one of the workers. They told him there was a cop in the basement that might be able to help him. Uh, so there down in the basement was a man named Joe Martin, who happened to be giving boxing lessons to a bunch of youth. Uh, years later, Cassius recalled particularly, or practically forgetting about the bike standing there uh, when he went into the gym and it was sensory overload. He said, like, the smell of the leather, like, just seeing all these boys, like, engage with each other. He just got, like, yeah. so excited about it. 
Um, boxing was one of the few sports that wasn't segregated, and that mattered very much to a young Cassius. Luckily for him, the lessons were free. Otherwise, his father probably wouldn't have let him train with a white police officer. Um, Clay wasn't exactly a natural, but he had more fire and drive in him than all the rest of the boys combined, which is why after only six weeks of training, he was put in his first amateur fight, and he only weighed 87 pounds. Oh, He's so tiny. After winning his first fight, he bragged to everyone that one day he would be the greatest of all time. Everyone just usually rolled their eyes at him, and he may have had a mouth on him, but he really could back it up. Because I guess as he, as he went on, he was just winning fights left and right, yeah. and people were like, damn, this kid can fight. Maybe Aww. he will be the greatest. Yeah. Um, and again, he's a teenager, but he didn't drink soda. He drank garlic water, which <laughs> he drank garlic water. He said it was to help keep he thought it would help keep his heart rate down. Um, but he he realized something very uh, important about his fighting style early on. And that was that he was unusually fast. He could dodge punches by leaning back which was, I guess, a cardinal sin in the boxing world. Everyone at that time was being trained to kind of step side to side. And he would, I mean, literally, he would dance. Like, he was back and forth and yeah. left and right and bouncing around. And you'd see him, like, do these far lean backs just to dodge a, a punch. And, dude, it's so impressive. Um, but uh, let's see. He worked on his endurance by running next to the school bus instead of riding on it. <laughs> He said that because uh, if, if not everybody knew who he was like on the school bus, so he'd be like running next and waving and they'd be waving and kids would be like, that's a strange person <laughs> running next to the bus. Uh, but when he wasn't training with Joe Martin, he would go to another gym and train some more. There was a guy named Angelo Dundee that came to town. He was a well-known boxing trainer. Uh, Clay b bombarded him with questions about diet and technique, which impressed the man that would actually one day become his own trainer in his corner. Uh, in February of 1958, he traveled with Joe Martin to Chicago to compete in the National Golden Gloves competition. Sadly, he lost in his quarterfinal. But one year later, he was taller, he was heavier than the year before, and he defeated a 29-year-old uh by the, a man by the name of Tony Madigan from Australia to win the light heavyweight division. Um, to make the win even more impressive, the guy that he fought was a two-time Olympic champion, and he was favored to win. So Cassius Clay comes in there, fucking wipes him out, and he is like the Golden Glo uh, Gloves champion, wow. which is – and that was only his second time competing in the competition. I don't nice. know. Impressive. Yeah. And he's only, I think – how old did I say he was? Very young. <laughs> I think he was 18. Um, with his win, he went to compete for a chance to participate in the 1960 Olympic Games in Rome. Um, poor Cassius was terrified of flying and considered, and he thought instead of going to Rome to participate in the Olympics, which I probably could do, he really considered turning professional because he was so terrified of flying. Wow. Um, yeah, right? He did end up going, but again, so scared, he flew with a parachute that he bought at a military surplus store, like, just in case. So once there, I guess Cassius Clay made friends with fucking everybody. They called him the mayor of, like, the Olympic Village or something, because <laughs> he was just so energetic and charismatic and funny, dude, like... I think that's one thing I did not realize about Muhammad Ali. That dude was hilarious. Yeah, I think I saw an interview or something with him, too. He's, yeah. like, so funny. Like, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, he just charm anybody, crazy. man. Yeah. Really. <laughs> he had a fucking gift. Um, 
So, like, I guess reporters, like, they would just hear about him. No one's heard his name. They don't even know what he does half the time. But, like, reporters are talking to him because he's just, like, so charming and fun to, to speak with. And they said he even made friends with the Russians, which I guess is, like, hard to do. <laughs> um, so at 18, Cassius Clay, he won a gold medal. And, again, no one's ever heard of him. And all of a sudden he's knocking out you know, Australia and uh, Poland and Italy. And he's just like knocking everybody out. So he made himself known to the world. And by this time in his life, he had fought over 100 amateur fights and nearly didn't finish high school uh, because he's in Rome. He's boxing like amateur fights all over the U.S. But I guess his teachers didn't want him to pass. But his principal was like, no, he's he's going to be fine. We're just yeah. going to graduate him. Um, and something like, oh, if he if he ever needs anything, I'll help him do it because he just needs to, like, go be a boxer and be amazing. Um, so one day while trying to catch a glimpse of his favorite bo- boxer, Sugar Ray Robinson, he saw a man preaching for the Nation of Islam. He wasn't too focused on it. And he put it on the back burner. But the Nation of Islam would soon be a very important part of his life. In the 1950s, it was well known that gangsters and mob bosses had a major hold on the sport. So I guess, like, it was just straight fucking dirty boxing all the fucking time in the 1950s. Mob bosses were in charge of the fights, which meant that there were quite a few questionable fights. People often had the suspicion that they were rigged, and I think a lot of them were. Cassius was now vulnerable, too, and almost found himself in the jaws of the mob. Luckily for him, a syndicate... This is like the weird, the craziest thing. A syndicate of 11 wealthy white businessmen with old Kentucky money came together to make him a pretty damn good offer. They genuinely wanted him to succeed and they didn't want him to get taken advantage of by like these mobsters and gangsters and shit. So they gave him a salary, which I guess was unheard of at that time. No boxers were getting like monthly payments for anything. They gave him a $10,000 bonus for signing and they helped him pay for his expenses. Uh, The lawyer that wrote the contract up had to look outside the industry to study contracts signed by child actors to help protect Cassius as much as possible. So it was an awfully nice gesture, but old Kentucky businessmen don't just give their money away. They were definitely looking at this as an investment. Um, Clay ran off and bought a new car despite not having a driver's license. Uh, The syndicate... Oh, sorry. The syndicate that they... I'm getting confused with my word. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah. The syndicate set him up with his first professional match, which was, I guess, a bit clunky and sloppy. And he didn't look too good doing it in his first professional match. Um, So the investors got him a new trainer. He clashed with that guy. They had to get him another trainer. So that's where Angelo Dundee, the man Clay, had peppered with questions not too long ago, uh, came into the picture. Dundee knew how to speak with him um, and better hone in uh, Cassius's skills. So they sent him to Miami to train with Dundee. Dundee did not consider him a gifted fighter, but like his other coaches, he couldn't help but notice that determination in Clay. Every day before dawn, Cassius would jog for miles. When he was done exercising, he would climb the stairs of the dingy motel that he and the other trainees were staying at, and he would yell out, Angelo, line up all I'm going to knock them all out. And I'm sure everyone just fucking loved that at like (laughs) six in the morning. (laughs) So after a few more professional fights, people couldn't help but notice not only his unique methods, but his lightning fast speed, remarking that it wouldn't be long before he'd be fighting for a title. While promoting himself at a radio station, he he met a very braggadocious character named Gorgeous George, a professional wrestler who made regular comments about his own beauty, entering the (laughs) ring in a jeweled robe and crown like the freaking Pope. 
Uh, Clay ad uh, admired the way that he created waves by claiming to be the best, and that even though Gorgeous George would get booed while entering the ring, the venue was packed. Uh, obviously, they didn't hate him enough to not yeah. come pay for tickets. So people were paying good money for the show, even though they hated the guy. And uh, taking notes, Cassius Clay started talking about how pretty he was and how he couldn't be beat. You yeah. see, I mean, he was already bragging, but like he like really kicked into the high gear yeah. of like, I love watching the, those old interviews. Like, you yeah. should watch him. He's so fucking funny. And he's like, look how pretty I am. Yeah, I think I saw one where it was like uh, people were talking about like something like similar with yeah. that. And he's just like, he's like, oh, it was good for me or something yeah. like that. Yeah, where he's like. Yeah. And in fact, I love this. So there was this big match between him and this guy named Doug Jones. I think because, again, he's very he's bragging. Doug Jones wants to shut him up. P other people are like, would you shut this fucking kid up? And uh, he did get knocked down, I think, in the ring. He didn't fight super well in that particular match, and but he still won. And at the end of the match, he said, when they asked, like, well, do you like that people are booing you or something? And he said, I love it. Boo, yell, scream, throw peanuts. But whatever you do, pay to get in. And I <laughs> love that line. Yeah. So I do apologize. This is where my notes got a little jumbled. So the timeline may not totally add up or order of events so here we go i'm gonna jump around a little bit before his b fight with doug jones a very important fight was happening uh simultaneously or near around that time between sonny liston and floyd patterson these were the two top heavyweight champions of the world in boxing um so liston fought patterson he won in less than three minutes he fucking knocked this guy out so fast because liston was huge like they were showing a clip of like a guy i don't know how heavy the medicine ball was but it was enough for this little man to throw this giant medicine ball as hard as he could at sonny liston who stood there like an oak tree and just absorbed the energy and casually tossed it back i was like <laughs> holy fuck dude so this dude was a beast mm. um but, uh, and really, go look up how big and giant. I think right. he was only, like, 6'3", but, like, dude, he was massive. Big, yeah. yeah, so Clay would regularly boast that he would soon take the title away from Liston, which, again, everyone's just rolling their eyes, like, oh, my God, would you shut the fuck up? Uh, Liston truly was at the top of his profession, and no one thought that some young, wise-ass kid was going to take it from him. Uh, when Liston watched the not-so-impressive fight between J Doug Jones and Clay... Which, you know, again, Clay's been boasting about how great he's going to be and he gets knocked down. Uh, I guess the comment Liston made to his, like, his own people were, I'm going to get locked up for murder. <laughs> like, when he actually, like, if he ever got the chance to fight him, he'd fucking yeah. kill him. Um, anyway, so. <clears throat> at 19, Clay's still living in a segregated world. Uh, Cassius has purchased a record in previous years. It was called A White Man's Heaven is a Black Man's Hell by Louis X, a member of the Nation of Islam. Soon Cassius started going to the mosque where for the first time he was hearing about being proud and being black and that being black was valued and cherished. Um, even though he felt connected to the teachings, he couldn't speak out on the matter for fear of the pushback from the Louisville group. Like he didn't want to embarrass them. He didn't want to get in trouble. He like... He knew that for whatever reason, being Muslim was just so bad in this country, you know. And uh, the Nation of Islam felt like Christianity was a white man's religion and wanted something different. So, as white people do, they got very scared about this growing religious movement among the black community. Uh, I do personally see the Nation of Islam as a bit culty, but I just think that, I don't know, about all religions. Yeah. And then... 
it was just the way that it was sold to Americans so shamelessly that was kind of upsetting. Like, they were just kind of making stuff up, and they hate the white man, and I mean, they kind of do. But, like, yeah. the way that they were selling it was just, like, not accurate, it yeah. felt like. Anyway, um, so, yeah, it felt like they were trying to undermine the movement simply because it was different, because it was Muslim, and not for other reasons. So, a large report that was done on it, it was, like, some sort of expose, but it was really just kind of catering to fearful, ignorant white people. So, now everybody's got that in their mind. And at that same time, Cassius Clay is is starting to, like, figure out what he wants out of life and everything. And he is really drawn to that religion. So, at boxing matches, Clay was a very loud figure, beaming with confidence. He liked the idea of selling himself. And I guess even, like, while he was doing amateur fights before he got famous, he would go door-to-door -door and tell people about his matches and fights. He'd just, like, knock, knock, knock. Hi, I'm Cassius Clay. I'm <laughs> fighting down here. You should come and, you know, buy a ticket. That's funny. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, like I said, he's he's a big figure. He's a, kind of a loud mouth, and he liked the idea of selling himself. So he felt like if he wasn't good enough, someone would shut him up, and there just weren't too many people that could shut him up. Sports reporters, reporters most of them were old and white, uh, hated him because he wasn't that usually reserved type. So in the 40s, when the famous black boxer Joe Lewis fought, his trainers forbade him from celebrating after defeating a white opponent, and he was never allowed to brag. So they were, I think they were almost expecting like a Joe Lewis type, very reserved, and, you know, Cassius Clay at that time, he is the direct opposite of that. Yeah. That is not his style. So white reporters found him to be very annoying. Uh, while attending a Nation of Islam lec lecture, he, mel he met Malcolm X, who would soon become a very close friend for a short while. Soon reporters were catching wind of Cassius going to the mosque and for whatever reason felt like they needed to have an opinion about that. Um, but Clay represented an entire generation. So when Cassius flew to Eng he flew to England, sorry, this random fight, <laughs> he flew to England um, to fight Britain's Henry Cooper. And then the Brits hated him because he showed up in this big ass fucking like cape robe thing. Like, yeah. like he's a fucking king. He's got a big <laughs> ass crown. And then he tells everyone, they're like, why are you wearing a crown and a, cra or a, crown and a cape? And he's like, because I'm the king. Like, he yeah. was <laughs> lots of confidence. Yeah. So after England and Doug Jones, Clay prepared for his fight with Liston. When the fight was officially announced, Cassius just could not help himself. And he harassed the shit out of poor Sonny Liston. He bothered him at a casino one night while he was gambling. He took his, Ollie took his fucking tour bus to Liston's house and just sat there and laid on the horn in front of his house oh like a yeah. dick. He ended up at Liston's gym. He was like hurling insults and he was wearing the cutest little bow tie when he was doing it. So like <laughs> it's this big scene where Liston's like trying to kill Muhammad Ali and he's just like laughing and jumping around yeah. being a dick. <laughs> um, so like. You know, it could be that he was trying to get into his opponent's head, and yeah. it may have also been that he was maybe drumming up some ticket sales, you know, yeah. whatever. He was like a master at his craft. <laughs> so to prepare for the fight, he went through brutal sparring sessions in the anticipation that they would go all 15 rounds. Cassius wanted to outlast his rival as Liston had never fought more than a few rounds, always knocking out the other figure or the other fighter. Um while Cassius was flirting with the idea of becoming a Muslim, Elijah Muhammad, the voice of the nation of Islam, wasn't too fond of like the sport or any sport for that matter the church felt like the that sports were a distraction and felt like boxing was too barbaric and violent but since malcolm x a representative of the, of the nation of islam was a friend malcolm ended up watching to go to watch the match between liston and clay which i guess his presence just like upset a lot of people so yeah uh anyway clay uh invited malcolm to the liston fight 
which, like I said, uh, confirmed everyone's suspicion that he was Muslim. So, like, everyone's talking about it. Is he? Isn't he? He's saying no because I think he's just scared to, like, yeah. say it. Um, so, yeah, it, it just, like, confirms everything. And now people are, like, freaking the fuck out. So, uh, three days before the fight, the promoter for the fight threatened to cancel the fight if Clay didn't denounce his ties with the Nation of Islam. Clay refused, of course. So, when that didn't work, they went to Malcolm and said... You know, they asked him to leave, and he agreed, but he promised to be back for the actual fight. So, like, he just had to get out of there because people just did not like him being there. He's such a controversial figure. He's, you know, Nation of Islam, and, yeah, it's all crazy. So, at the fight, Cassius Clay was an underdog by 8-1. to one. By the end of the first round, it was obvious that Clay was much more of a threat than previously thought. By the end of the third round, Liston had a cut under his eye. The first cut in 34 professional fights. Oh. Liston had never... Because he's so big, yeah. dude. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the fourth round, something... So this is crazy, dude. And this is still like a mystery in boxing. Okay. So by the end of the fourth round, something is in Clay's eyes. It is thought that possibly, because Liston's team knew that they were probably going to lose the fight yeah. if they didn't do something, that they put something called liniment on his gloves. Like, you can see it graze his eyes, and then all of a sudden he can't stop blinking. Yeah. He's, like, blinking like crazy, blinking. Oh. He goes to the to his corner, and he's like, take my gloves off, I can't fight. And they're like, nope. <laughs> so they, they just wash his face off as much as they can. They, yeah. they think it's that liniment. They shove him back into the ring. So for the fifth round, he they say he barely survives or, like, just stay out of his way. So yeah. he's trying to, like, he's still blinking like crazy. Yeah. He can barely see. But by the end of that fifth round, again, miraculously, he makes it through. Um, He, like, is able to start seeing normally again. Yeah. And then, like, that's when it was over. That's when he was like, all right, fuck this. He yeah. was super pissed. Um, So let's see. Sorry. I, like I said. Okay. Uh, At the end of the seventh round... Liston was through like you can see they put that you they show Liston he's got they put his mouth guard in and then he just spits it out <laughs> he's oh, like, yeah. I'm fucking done so he outlasted his opponent so he won nice. uh, he won Cassius Clay he won the heavyweight championship wow. so nice. fuck yeah after the fight, he went to chat with Malcolm X. Um, in the morning, he was not his usual loud self. Like, everyone was expecting him. You know, he would, would always come out, like, how he was the greatest, and yeah. I can't be beat. And um, he came out very calm. And uh, he said, I don't have to be what you want me to be. I'm free to be what I want to be and think what I want to think. And you sort of see this shift from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, which yeah. is, like, kind of this cool little break of, like, boop, boop. Yeah. Um, all right. So the very next day after the fight, he changes the rules by declaring his association uh, association with the Nation of Islam. During the same time, Martin Luther King was also protesting. So like these two things are happening happening simultaneously, and they're two very different groups preaching two very different things. You know, the Nation of Islam is just a little bit more violent, not in the sense of physical violence, but more maybe more aggressive. Yeah. Um, like, they preached segregation as well. Like, you're right, we should. Black and white need to stay separate. We don't want to be together. Like, it's bad for us. It's bad for them. Um, whereas Martin Luther King was like, can we just, like, ride on the fucking bus and not yeah. be bothered by people and get, like, good pay? Um, so Elijah Muhammad praised Clay on his win against Sonny Liston. Elijah had previously um, spoken out against the sport, but 
as he called it frivolous entertainment. But of course, like Cassius Clay, he's now the heavyweight champion. Everybody is watching boxing at that time in the 50s. Or I'm sorry, the, um, or was it the 60s? Oh, shit. Sorry. Again, dates. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like now that Cassius Clay is popular and everybody knows who he is and he's very loud and now he wants to declare himself like associate with Islam, suddenly like, oh, now. Now Elijah Muhammad doesn't mind boxing as a sport. Now he doesn't mind sports as frivolous entertainment. Now it's something important, yeah. you know. So it's just, uh, just evolving, you know, shifting. Um, so, like, he kind of found an asset in clay. And then at this time, for whatever reason, weird shit's going down inside the church. Elijah suspends Malcolm X from the church. And uh, Malcolm X did not think he'd be reinstated anytime soon. All right, and then at that same time, there's, I guess there's this weird shift in the church um, where Elijah and Malcolm X are not seeing eye to eye. Something about, like, Elijah Muhammad might have had a lot of, gotten a lot of ladies pregnant, you know, just stuff like that. Kind of, like, gross leader yeah. vibes. Um, so anyway, after meeting with Malcolm X, uh, Cassius announced he would be going by Cassius X and planned to move uh, to New York. After seeing this, Elijah banned Cassius from seeing Malcolm X. I guess he didn't like that they were like conversing just in their own lives. Uh, this kind of seems like a move where Elijah now becomes way more important in his life than Malcolm X, which is too bad because the two had been pretty good friends for a little bit. Um, so people felt like People felt like Muhammad Ali was un-American for joining the Nation of Islam. They found him to be ungrateful and wanted him silenced. Like, I don't know what it was about him. Just they didn't like that it preached, you know, I don't know, that it called white people out on their shit. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So this is when, after he's, like, disconnected from Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, to, like, kind of cement that bond that they have, he gives him the name Muhammad Ali. Um, so Muhammad means worthy of all praises and then Ali means most high. So to cure, uh, to secure a direct line to Muhammad Ali, Elijah cut off all ties with Malcolm X, even removing Malcolm X and his family from the church that, and their home that the church had provided them. So he just like kicks them out. They're not like officially exiled or anything from the church, but he's like making it very clear, like go away. Um, and then Malcolm X publicly quit the nation of Islam and stated that he'd be starting his own group. Uh, no one liked Muhammad Ali's ties with the Nation of Islam. Martin Luther King Jr. called him a champion of racial segregation. Um, former heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson compared him to the KKK. Uh, Floyd challenged Ali to take uh, the belt from, or he challenged Ali because he wanted to take the belt from the Muslims. So that year, Ali went on a month-long tour of Africa uh, and while he was there, he bumped into Malcolm X, who was eager to, eager to see his old friend. Sadly, Muhammad Ali dismissed him. Malcolm X just kind of left silently. Um, Ali traveled and preached for segregation in America. Uh, there they prayed at a mosque in Cairo. Ali, Ali spoke... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ali spoke to and was the physical embodiment of liberation. Um, but before leaving Af Africa, Malcolm X sent him a message. So... Malcolm X wrote him, Because a billion of our people in Africa, Asia, and Arabia love you blindly, you must now be forever aware of your responsibility to them. You must never say or do anything that will permit, permit your enemies to distort the beautiful image you have, you have here among your people. Malcolm X encouraged uh, those within the church to stay with it. Like, he didn't want to disrupt the waters. So he made the excellent point that if 
um, Ali had been a white Christian boy who also did not smoke, drink, or swear. He'd be, you know, like the all-American boy to be praised. But no, he's like a black guy that's also a Muslim. Now we need to, like, destroy him and his reputation. Um, in the summer of 1964, Ali met his first wife, Sanji. And after just six weeks after meeting, they were married, much to the relief of his parents because she wasn't Muslim. So they were like, cool, maybe he'll like separate himself a little bit. They were kind of hoping that their son would focus way more on his new beautiful wife than the church. Um, his parents were worried that the church would also try to take all of his money. Um, Ali's sponsors hated his conversion to Islam. These are all old white Kentucky men, you know, like they are all either Baptist or evangelical uh but by publicly declaring his ties to the Nation of Islam, several advertisers advertisers pulled out, including Coca-Cola. Mm. Ali didn't care. His Louisville syndicates believed he missed out. They think, they estimated, this was an interview with like an older one mm. of the syndicates, and he said that he lost out on about $1.5 million by yeah. just saying, I'm Muslim. Wow. Um, some boxing officials were disturbed by his religious conversion, and the World Boxing Association decided they wouldn't sanction the rematch between Ali and Sonny Liston, because that was the thing they were trying to do. And then they stripped him of his title just because he said, what? I belong to the Nation of Islam. He got That's it taken crazy. away. Yep. So they said his behavior was unbefitting of a champion. So Ali rightfully took this personally. He felt like he was being per persecuted for being black, uh, that people did not want to see a black Muslim succeed. But since his last fight with Liston, he'd grown a half inch taller, which is crazy because he's like an adult now. Yeah, he's like <laughs> still growing a little bit. And then he added two inches to his biceps and one inch to his forearms. Liston had also been training furiously. He'd sworn off alcohol because I guess Liston was kind of a severe alcoholic. Oh, okay. and he, But he, like, cut his alcohol off. He was, like, training like crazy. He hated that he lost <laughs> yeah. to Muhammad Ali. Um, everyone was sitting on pins and needles and waiting for this fight. Three days before the match, Ali complains of stomach pains. And he's rushed to the hospital. They admitted him, and they performed surgery for an incarcerated hernia. I don't know what that means, but it sounds really bad. So it laid him up for over three months. The fight got rescheduled. You know how that thing, that bad thing with how it all went down with Malcolm X, and it was right around this time, too, that Malcolm X gets assassinated. Yeah. So he's got the hernia thing, this list and rematch, who's stripped of his title, his friend dies. It's, like, not going too yeah. great for Muhammad Ali. Liston, when he heard that Muhammad Ali was laid up in the hospital, his words were, that damned fool. And then they said he poured himself a drink. And then, like, it was just kind of downhill for Sonny yeah. Liston, too, because, like, everybody's working up to this moment, and now it's not happening. Um, <clears throat> so then news gets out that Sonny Liston's training is not going that well. He's drinking again. Like, all it took was that one drink, yeah, and then it just, like, kind of sent him spiraling. Um there had been rumors about a gunman coming for both Liston and Ali, like, oh, the Nation of Islam is coming for Sonny Liston, and then, like, oh, Malcolm X's people are coming for Muhammad Ali, and all these crazy rumors are going around. Um, of course, it's all bullshit. So, but with the long hiatus between fights, Liston was no longer in as good a shape. In just two minutes and 12 seconds, Liston was hit on the chin. This is the first, or is it the first round? Shit, I think it's the first round. Liston is hitting the chin and he goes down and he's sort of writhing on the floor and Ali even screams at him get up sucker no one's gonna believe it so after Liston starts rolling uh, like after he's rolling on the floor and the fight was called in Ali's favor and they were just no one believed that Sonny Liston got knocked out with this little punch yeah they were like 
they then because again there's all these rumors that fights are fixed you know with the mob and shit so now people are like is this even a real fight like did this really happen did he like what what was the cause of it did he just give up and go fuck it i'm gonna pretend like i got knocked (laughs) out like no one really knows again another great mystery in the sunny liston muhammad ali fights uh so anyway Things weren't going too well at home either. His wife, who was not Muslim, acted as a typical young woman, but in the eyes of Ali's behavior, or, yeah, in the eyes of Ali, her behaviors were unbecoming of a wife of an important member of the Nation of Islam. So in June of 1965, the marriage was annulled, and Sanji blamed Elijah Muhammad for, like, interfering with her marriage. Like, he's always in his ear. Um, Ali did inappropriately say, again, this is a different time. Yeah. So he did say... That he needed to find a girl of 17 or 18 so he could raise her into his way of thinking. We didn't have a word for grooming back then, but we do now. Yeah. So not great. But yeah. different time. Yeah. We're letting it slide. Um, during this time, Ali becomes close to Herbert Muhammad, which is Elijah Muhammad's son. He did photography photography for churches and the news or for like the church newspaper. Let me take that back. And then like ads and stuff, like he would go and do all the like the promotional stuff for for nation of islam according to the fbi they said he was doing like nude photo shoots and filming porn and shit but it's like 1960s fbi yeah it's like uh, i don't i really doubt much of that is true maybe he was but like mm, i'm gonna say probably not just because it's the fbi in like the 1960s (laughs) they had deemed martin luther king jr as the most dangerous man in america you know so it's like oh these people don't know what they're doing and, like, they were known for, like, being unapologetically racist when it came to just making stories up about these people. Anyway, okay. Ollie and Herbert grew very close, and which concerned his parents. Um, Ollie's father was worried that the church would leave him broke. So soon Floyd Patterson, who was 30 at the time, and Ollie's in his 20s. He's at, like, peak physical condition. Hmm. So Floyd Patterson, who's 30, he wants to fight Ali, and he's saying, like, I really want to take that title back. We have to make sure the Muslims don't have it. Um, So the fight became known as a holy war, where it was about Muslim versus Christian. (laughs) Like, the press made it all about religion. Um, So everyone's hoping for Patterson to win. He was really popular among white people, despite being black, because he was, like, so calm and reserved, and I think people just like that. Oh, and he's also, like, a Christian, so we're cool. Um, at the start of the match, Ali mocked him. So, like, he doesn't – he's angry at Floyd Patterson for, like, you know, like, you're fighting against your people. Like, you know, that kind of, like, um, I don't know, abrasive behavior. And he kept saying, like, the very beginning of the match, he's mocking Floyd Patterson, saying, come on, America. Come on, white America. So, like, he would just <laughs> jeer his opponents, man. Yeah. Ali was – definitely the superior fighter like when you watch this fight it's like you almost feel bad for floyd patterson like Ugh. oh what are you doing in there yeah. like he's kicking your ass so bad um and they actually said that they felt like he was toying with patterson like he was hitting him just hard enough to hurt him but not knock him out yeah. like he was kind of playing like a cat and mouse game <laughs> um because he kind of went into it with like a fuck him attitude so Patterson landed almost no punches. Finally, the ref ended it because he, like, even the ref couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. He's like, stop. <laughs> um, Patterson felt like he'd let the world down. Like, when they do the press after, he's like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. Like, he's, <laughs> he is devastated. Like, he let the Muslims win, oh you know? Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, he told the reporters. Oh, no, I'm sorry. So, like. Then Ali goes and he talks to the press and he just 
I don't know why he like seemed so defeated. He was like, I'm tired of boxing. Like he just got oh, really like kind of yeah. gruff with it. I think he was just tired of all the bullshit with the yeah. race and the uh, the religion and everything. And he said he was uh, he was more interested in freedom, but didn't want to be a civil rights activist. He said he was too angry to fight peacefully. So in 1966, Muhammad Ali, he was the highest paid athlete in the world at that time. Oh. Some people thought they'd help uh, Ali manage his money better. So Herbert Muhammad, a former NFL player named Jim Brown, and a prosecutor from New York named Bob Arum formed Main Bout, Inc. to manage the supplemental rights of all of Ali's fights, which included something called closed-circuit broadcasting, which I guess back then was just pay-per-view television. So people would pay good money to watch these fights, but I guess Ali, like, took it up another level because it went from, like, yeah, okay, we'll kind of pay for these fights to, like, everybody wants to watch these Muhammad Ali fights. Um... So the syndicates from Louisville weren't invited to the party. And despite Ali telling them, like, he would tell them, no, 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 I'm going to renew my contract. Because he signed a two-year contract. So all of this shit is happening, like, really quickly. Um, so he he tells them, like, nope, I'm still with you guys. But, like, they all kind of know, like, he's not going to sign with us again. Uh, they cut ties with him. Because I guess they had Herbert Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad's son. They tried to work with him to, like... Okay, like we can we can work um, with you know synergetically. I don't think that's a word. <laughs> we can work together on this. Um, and then they, I guess they just got so tired of Herbert Muhammad. He was just like saying crazy shit, and they they kicked him out. And then they cut ties with their boxer. So which meant that Herbert Muhammad was all too eager to step into the role as manager. So he goes from having this Louisville, Kentucky syndicate running him to now like the Nation of Islam is going to run his life. So I guess he kind of falls into that for a while, but I don't really know how long because I still have to finish that documentary. All right. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, a couple years before when Muhammad Ali went to register for the draft, this is like so sad. So he goes to, this is a couple years before, like I said, and he's disqualified. They say he doesn't meet like competency standards or something. So he was just probably dyslexic. Mm -hmm. He was lacking in his education. So they said, no, you're not good enough to, to really be a part of the draft. But then come 1965, when rich white men needed young men to go die overseas in Vietnam, suddenly Ali qualified. And he's like a totally different person now. You know, he's very religious. Um, <clears throat> and he has no interest in going. He's like a world champion now. Like, yeah. he doesn't want to go fight. And they don't. he doesn't want to put a gun in his hand. Um, so this is what he said. He said, I'm a member of the Muslims, and we don't go to wars unless they are declared by Allah himself. I don't have no personal quarrel with those Viet Congs. So people felt like he was turning his back on America. In 1965, there were a lot of World War II vets. There were a lot of Korean vets. Plus, there were men and women that were sending their sons off overseas to die in the name of freedom. Um, they felt like it was a middle finger to the country, even though um, it was far from it. Like, it's so much more complicated than that. So in 1966, most Americans supported the Vietnam War. One reporter called Muhammad Ali, or something like, um, we haven't seen a greater American since Benedict Arnold, or something like that. So press was coming at him hard. Another compared him to Hitler, just oh for not gosh. wanting to go fight in yeah. Vietnam, which we all know was a bullshit war anyway. Yeah. Like, looking back today, we all know that was, like, bullshit. Um so anyway, I guess, like, at the time, most Americans supported the Vietnam War. They were like, yeah, we need to go over there. Yeah. We have to sort out that freedom. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, sorry. Here we go. 
No. So then in, in his response, he was like, well, I don't want to fight. So he wanted to reapply because he, he was like, well, now I'm eligible for the draft and I don't want to do it. So he decided he was going to reapply his draft status for a conscientious objector. And people were still turned off with it. They like didn't like his Muslim ties, both black and white. And now he doesn't want to fight overseas in this yeah. war. And how dare he? Everybody, like Americans hated Muhammad yeah. Ali in the mid-60s. So when Muhammad Ali had been stripped of his title, before the rematch with Sonny Liston, the new title went to a guy named Ernie uh, Ernie Terrell, uh, though most people considered Ali to be the heavyweight champion. To Ali, Terrell said, I want our soldiers uh, and Marines to see what a real champion looks like. He then promised to serve in Vietnam if he defeated Muhammad Ali. Dude, for reals. So promotion had been going well, but when the comments about Ali saying he had nothing against the Viet Cong, the mayor of Chicago, where uh, the Ali-Terrell fight was supposed to be happening, he called up the athletic board and he had them cancel the fight, causing Ali um, to... So, like, suddenly he found, like, he needed a backpedal. So then he was scheduled to go to the um, athletic board and apologize for his comments. He was, like, he had this big plan where he was going to go and, like, say sorry about everything. But then he met with Elijah Muhammad, and then he made the choice that he was not going to apologize. He was going to stand his ground and say, I don't have anything against the Viet Cong, and I don't know why that's wrong. So, you know, he goes and he does that. And, I mean... The athletic, like, you should see the looks on these, like, old white men's faces when he's, like, so just brazen with his comments of, like, I'm fucking fine with how I feel. Yeah. And, like, just, like, they were in the stunned silence of, like, can you fucking believe this guy? So the attorney general of Illinois declared that the fight would be illegal to happen there. So then, I don't know, he was probably a little bitch. Terrell said... Clay was only guilty of being stupid. So then it starts this, like, uh, domino effect of big cities where all of a sudden they're like, we will not be holding, uh, you know, a fight between Terrell and Clay. Like, he's so un-American. We would never do such a thing. And even places that, like, no one had asked if they could fight there. They'd be like, Kalamazoo will not support the (laughs) fight. And they're like, bitch, we didn't ask you. So the only place left was Toronto. Terrell whined and pull out, pulled out of the fight with only three weeks before the event. So they got uh, – his name was George Chivalo, which I guess was Canada's heavyweight champion. Chivalo lasted all 15 rounds, and Ali called it one of his toughest fights, uh, despite his earlier thoughts that the fight wouldn't be much of a fight at all because, you know, he was supposed to be fighting this heavyweight yeah. champion, and now he's fighting this random Canadian dude. But hey, the guy lasted 15 oh, rounds with yeah, Muhammad Ali. Crazy. Better than we think. <laughs> So at that time, Ali was struggling financially and emotionally. To generate some money, he went back over to England. He fought Henry Cooper, uh, that guy that he fought, that exact guy that he fought that previous time when he went. But he was not expecting the welcome. So he's been so vocal about not wanting to go Vietnam. Everybody else in the world was kind of that same way of like, hey, don't do that. Yeah. So when he gets to Britain, people are chanting his name. And he's like not expecting that. He's so hated in America. He just kind of... I don't know what he was expecting, but I doubt it was that. Like, all this praise. Like, they all of a sudden they loved him. Um, He did beat Cooper again by TKO. And the same way where he opened up a gash. He did this a lot in his career. He'd open up a gash in people's eyes, like, right above. And then there would be so much blood. Like, the ref would just have to call the fight. So soon after, he returned to the States for his appeal to apply under conscientious objector status and prove that he was against all wars. Uh, So 
the hearing examiner felt like Ali should be given his conscientious objector status. The Justice Department sent a long bullshit letter to the draft board. Again, uh, the judge denied his appeal. And they, I guess he too was a little bitch, but he never said why. No one ever gives any reasons as to why he couldn't get his status. You know, well, I mean, it's obvious what yeah. they're doing, but just the fact that they refuse to is disgusting. Even with all the controversy, controversy, Ali's team finally found an American venue to fight in, the Astrodome in Texas, which I guess was newly built at the time. Uh, he would be fighting an army vet, which I felt like they did on purpose, right? Like, <laughs> So Ollie knocked down his opponent opponent several times, and the ref had to end the fight because he was getting his ass kicked. Um, yeah, he just couldn't take the ass beating anymore. Later, the Terrell Ali fight was finally scheduled in February of 1967. To promote it, the two boxers went on ABC, where Terrell refused to call his opponent by his chosen name, telling him his name was still Cassius Clay. Uh, Ali responded by calling him an Uncle Tom several times, and then the two got into a scuffle. It's like, it's pretty wild man like ali is on fire uh in the fight ali came out hard like when that bell dinged like ali fucking ran to that guy and they even say like they don't know that he's ever come out with that much hatred and contempt for another fighter because like usually like you know how they size each other up and he kind of dances around people he just fucking went hard at this guy was like i'm gonna (laughs) fuck you up it was awesome and then during the fight, while he's getting his ass beat, Muhammad Ali keeps screaming at him, What's my name? Oh my gosh. Dude, yeah. it's so cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, and it did, it kind of brought out this persona they said, and again, this is just like people talking about the time. I don't know anything. But they said it, it brought out this whole new persona of uh, black athletes because – you know, like I said, I talked about Joe Lewis. He's not allowed to celebrate. He's not allowed to brag. He has to be very calm. Yeah. Like, you're not allowed to be, like, this really energetic black athlete. Muhammad Ali was, and he just, like, didn't give a fuck. So Ali, of course, wins this fight between this other with this other guy, um, Terrell. And, but newspapers did not praise him. They said he was mean and arrogant because he's screaming, what's my name, the yeah. whole time. They don't like, like, they think for some reason, I don't know where they get this idea. Like, they want violence, but it's, is it supposed to be a gentleman's sport? I <laughs> yeah. don't think so. Like, anyway. So, the state of New York was so annoyed about the whole thing, they tried to ban boxing altogether. Um, Ali had beaten the champion and told Terrell to pronounce his name correctly from now on. Like, when he was in the press, he's like, I bet he knows my name now, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So... Um, Ali had one more fight before learning he had been drafted. Like, he officially got the word, yeah. like, he got drafted. So he met with Martin Luther King Jr. privately. And though the two differed on the details, they both acknowledged the general oppressive systematic racism that was holding people of color back. Ali still had to report. I guess he still had to go. Like, he still had to go report somewhere. But then when it was time to get sworn in, he refused to. So right outside the doors of where he went in for this draft thing, there's like news cameras everywhere. Yeah. So then of course some army douchebag comes out and is like, Muhammad Ali has refused to be sworn in and yeah. inducted into, and then everyone's like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, people lose their fucking minds. Uh, they're the, the chairman of New York state, sorry, the chairman of the New York state athletic commission stripped him of his license to fight in New York and then many other states started following. Uh, the World Boxing Association took his title for the second fucking time yeah. because he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, join up. 
Many black servicemen appreciated and praised Ali's outspokenness. In the early years of, uh, of the Vietnam War, there were a lot of black deaths. And, like, black people always got put to the front, you yeah. know. And I, I feel, I think they said it was technically unsegregated, but, like, still kind of segregated, yeah. you know. So soon after all of this, uh, a white jury, an all-white jury out of Houston found Ali guilty for refusing the draft. The judge sentenced him to the maximum of five years in prison and a $10,000 fine. Um, he also had to surrender his passport. So he has no license to fight now in most major cities. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have a passport. He's facing jail time. All because some people got pissy that he didn't want to go kill innocent uh, people and die overseas. So as a way to still fight, Ali went to campuses and spoke all about being Muslim, about black pride, about his anti-war stances, etc. Like just kind of the culture at the time. Ali was openly, humorously, aggressively tearing down the walls of white comfort. He let white people know that in his own racial suffering, it had only been white people that had ever done the oppressing. So they're like, why won't you go over there and fight for their freedom? And his response was, why aren't you fighting for my freedom? Yeah. Which is an excellent uh, fucking point yeah. to make. Um, you know, like when you're living in racially segregated areas and then they say, well, you have to go fight for these other people that you don't know. They yeah. have never done a fucking thing to you. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. Yeah. He saw right through it. He was like, no, thank you. Soon he had a baby girl from his very young second wife. They married when she was 17. Hmm. So he got that girl he was <laughs> yeah. looking for. Um the so let's see oh so right after his daughter is born the supreme supreme court justices i guess they all voted privately one night like oh we're gonna reject his petition like his appeal he's he's gonna have to go um but i guess at this like over the weekend this is literally like the 11th hour before he's about ready to go to prison the department of justice sends him a, them a letter saying that ali had been heard over some wiretaps because the fbi was ta you know taping um, all the civil rights leaders at the mm -hmm. time, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and I'm sure that Elijah Muhammad dude. And they said, well, he's entitled to that information and he needs to start his entire appeal process over again. But he didn't go to prison, so they knocked that off at the last second. But it had been two years since his fight, like his oh, last yeah. fight. He had been waiting for two fucking years and they were still going to ref refuse him, reject it. So when asked if he could fight anyone, who would it be? Because now, you know, it comes out, I think you got to do it again. But they said, if you could fight, who would you fight? And he said, Joe Frazier. Cause I guess he met Joe Frazier one day, Joe Frazier's walking around. He sees Muhammad Ali meets him, gets his autograph and everything. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Joe Frazier is such like a, I hear that name. I recognize it, yeah. you know, from boxing. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he did say like, cause even though he wasn't fighting, of course he's like really watching the sport closely. And he's like, Oh yeah, this Joe Frazier guy. Like I really want to fight yeah. him. You know, he's good. Uh, so yeah, but then he accidentally says, I only want to try to fight. Cause it sounded like he was just fucking tired. Yeah. He's like, I only, I just want to fight so I can pay off some debts. Apparently this is a huge no, no in the nation of Islam. It goes from like, okay, he's cool with Elijah Muhammad. Oh no. He says he wants to pay off debts, but in their eyes, it was like, well, Allah is supposed to provide oh, all the time. Yeah. You can't say that you're fighting for money. Like you can't. <laughs> You can't want money. Yeah. So then they like, they didn't exile him, but they, they suspended him. It, oh, oh. religion is a poison. Yeah. So Elijah Muhammad, he just now, you know, he went back to criticizing fighting again. And anyway, so 
that was about where I fucking stopped. I'm. So, I yeah. wish I could have ended it on like a better, more solid note. No. But that's it. Yeah, that's crazy. Though. I, After he did, I feel like so much for them, and it's like mm-hmm. one little fucking thing he says. They're like, yeah. "Fuck you, you're out." Like, I want to fight so I can pay off my debts. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> so yeah. that is so far it's is the first though. half of yeah. Muhammad Ali's life, and I feel like uh, I knew about the Vietnam thing. I knew he was part of the Nation of Islam. I did not know anything else about this man. I didn't know anything about yeah. that. I didn't know it went that deep with like everything. Dude. I thought he just fought. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> he's friends with Malcolm X. He's meets yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he met the fucking Beatles. Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, this guy met wow. everybody. He's Olympic champion. Like, That's what? Crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh. every like every time they'd show something new about. Muhammad Ali, I'd like be that much more amazed. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck hasn't this guy done? Yeah. And then to see, there's still two more episodes, and they're each like two hour long, wow. two hours long. Oh my god, so, yeah. There's a lot. I'm what gonna really, life. I'm gonna try to condense it down All this right. time. I swear, because <laughs> we don't have time for me no, to do this fine. again. <laughs> so, oh, fuck well. it. it. We went long, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Till next time, I guess. Uh, right? Yes, <laughs> man. Uh. <laughs> Was it float like a butter butterfly, sting like a bee? All right. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking of his rhyme in the beginning. Oh, was and it? I was gonna be. Like... Uh, no, fuck it. We can do this. Okay. Here, no, we got time. <laughs> Everybody's got time. We're not doing anything. Okay. I've wrestled with alligators. I've tussled with a whale. I've done handcuffed lightning and put thunder in jail. Well, you know I'm bad. I can drown a drink of water and kill a dead tree. Wait till you see Muhammad Ali. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Fawn's thumbs. Get out. <laughs>